We're talking about a biblical worldview. As we go through this book of Romans, we've kind of said that we're taking it, we're looking at it in terms of a biblical worldview and what it says, what, how it would inform us in terms of our minds and our thinking and the way that we live. Uh, and so, thus, a biblical worldview. The thing with a biblical worldview is that God does want you to have one. Amen? He wants you to have a worldview that's informed by his word, and there is no doubt about that statement. But it's not all he wants. It's not even the first thing he wants. God's desire for you is that you would have truly a changed heart, a changed life, a transformed heart. Yes, he wants your thinking in line with his word. He wants you to have a biblical worldview. He wants you to have the mind of Christ. Yes, he wants you to have that biblical worldview. But the most important thing is that you truly have a changed and transformed heart, a heart for him, a heart after him. God is looking for a changed heart. He wants to change your heart. He wants you to have that openness, that surrender to him, that you would have that changed heart. First, there's a process in having a changed heart. First, you come to the place of having a broken heart. A broken heart, a, a true heart of repentance. Then there is a changed heart. You have that broken heart, that broken spirit, that contrite spirit before the Lord, and then he comes in and brings about the changes that he wants to bring about. He brings about that restoration process. There you have that changed heart, and you become that true disciple of Jesus Christ, that true follower of Christ. But too many Christians rely on other things in their lives rather than having that changed heart and having that, that heart after God and, and that heart of worship to him, being a person that's his, they begin to rely on other things in their life in terms of measuring up to God's standard. They rely on perhaps the biblical training that they've had in their lives. They rely on, in that sense, Bible knowledge that they have. They rely on the fact that maybe they even in their sphere, their circle of influence, maybe in their family or extended family, that they're the one that everyone looks to. And so they begin to rely on those things, that they are a guide, that they teach others. All those things are great. All those things are wonderful, but only great when they are the response of a transformed heart a truly changed heart. Again, Christians might rely on all these things, but God wants us to have a changed heart, and that changed heart is then truly just relying on him. And then all the benefits and all the things, uh, the blessings of taking on a biblical worldview and, and, and having a right understanding about things become that much more of a blessing. So tonight we're going to look at this passage of scripture in, in Romans chapter 2 
and see how other people that Paul is addressing here might rely on certain things, but God is truly wanting that changed heart. So let's pick it up in chapter 2 of Romans, verse 17. It says this, Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. So Paul in this section, he's, he's challenging those that might rely on kind of really what was really a status in terms of who the people of God were, the Jewish people. Paul is really, he's, a, he's in that sense, he's addressing specifically the Jews of Rome here. The Jews, of course, and if you read all of Paul's writings, you understand Paul's perspective on the Jews. Of course, he, he, he kind of gave his resume, his boast in the flesh, if he were to make one in, in Philippians, where he says, I'm a, I'm, of a, I'm a Jew of the Jews, I'm a, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day concerning the law, perfect. So, you know, he, he has his perspective. The Jews were the ones with the spiritual heritage. They were the chosen ones of God. They were the people of God. They were the, the ones that were chosen from all the peoples of the world. Remember, we've talked about this before, and I want you to keep this in your mind, that Deuteronomy 32 worldview where God disinherits the, the nations. And then he selects a man and he says, I will have a people in the earth. I will raise up for myself a, a family. I will raise up for myself a people, a nation. Jacob is my heritage. So in that sense, they were selected, chosen. They were the special people, the God's own possession. And they, as a result, they were given certain things. They were given the law. They were at Sinai when God brought them out by uh, Moses and by his own hand and brought them out of Egypt, out of, out of uh, you know, that place of bondage, brought them out to Sinai, right? And, and through, the, through the angels and to Moses was given the law. And so the law was given to the people of Israel. And because this is true, there's a certain kind of, well, we are the ones that received God's word. We were the ones that received the law. We're that special. So they had the law. But then also they were given kind of a role in the world. They were to, to teach other nations. They weren't just to be a people that you know, received the law, received the covenant, received all the blessings of God, and just say, oh yeah, we're good, we're great, we're the Jews. <laughs> no, they were to be a light to the nations. They were to be a guide. They were to be that nation that would instruct other nations of, of the one true living God, the Yahweh God, the, 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 the Lord of Lords. So 
Paul is addressing them and he's saying, yeah, you are, you know, you're confident about these things. You're confident that this is your history, that this is your heritage. Today, if Paul were writing, he might write something similar to Christians. He might write, indeed, you are called Christian. You rest in the Bible. You have, I see that you have one. Uh, And you make your boast in God from that kind of perspective. But Jeremiah kind of gives us some instruction here from the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, I will not have it on the screen for you, but I will read it for you, amen. (laughs) Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, and that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the Lord in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. And so boasting in God is a great thing, but it must come from a truly changed heart. It must not be just simply because you find yourself in the specialized group that received the word or received this teaching or something like that. Paul says that they know God's will. He says, you Jew, you know God's will. You approve of excellent things being instructed out of the law. Wow, you've got some real special things going for you. you. You know the will of God. Now, when People think, you know, they were like, oh, they do? Well, that's actually pretty good. I wish I knew the will of God. Part of knowing the will of God is knowing what he's about in the world and knowing what he, he's wanting in the world. And he's wanting a people and he's wanting you and I to serve him. And he's bringing, he wants to bring all the people, not just the Jews, he's, his goal is to bring as many as would come. He's calling the nations back to him. Yes, he disinherited them at Babel, but through the Christ, he is now calling them back from being turned over to their own ways and turned over to the gods. He wants them to serve him. And so this is kind of part of the will of God. Paul uses this idea of the mystery of his will. You know, he talks about this in Ephesians and other places. We uh, talked about this on uh, Saturday night in Colossians where he he talks about the mystery of the gospel and this idea. And so this is what he's talking about, the the will of God. Um, He says, you approve of excellent things, being instructed out of the law. So because they had knowledge in the law, uh, because they were instructed in the law, they knew what what were the excellent things and what were the things that, that should be kind of left alone. They knew what those profane things were. They knew what those unclean things were. He goes on, he says, you're confident that you're a guide to the blind. You're you're an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes. You have a form of knowledge and of the truth. So he's talking about all these things that they have. We as Christians are all of that too. We've been called as Christians. We've been called just as the Jew was. We've been called with that same calling. We've been called to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been called to the word. We've been called to be set out, set apart by the word. We've been called to be an example. We've been called 
to be the light of the world. He, he, he told, uh, you know, and Pastor Dan has been teaching uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, right? You're the salt and light. And, and so we've been kind of given that same role, the same things. But it doesn't mean anything if we don't have a truly transformed heart. If our hearts have not been changed, if our hearts have not been softened, if we don't have that, that you know, at one point in the Old Testament, God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm gonna give you that soft, malleable heart. I wanna give you that heart that I can mold. I wanna give you that heart of flesh. I wanna give you that heart that feels, that cares, that, that loves, that loves mercy, that walks humbly. You know, that's, that's what I want you to have. I, 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 you, could have, you could have like the most perfect doctrine and you could be an instructor and a teacher and a guide and all this thing and, and you could have, you know, you could have a YouTube channel instructing people in the ways of the word and you've got a million followers, a million subscribers and, you know, YouTube hasn't even banned you. You know, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're in good standing with, with, with Google, the powers that be out there. And all that. And if you don't have a transformed heart, you don't have that heart that's humble before God, you don't have that heart that's after God, man, kind of missing it. Kind of really missing what God wants to do in your life and your heart. Let's pick it back up in verse 21. Paul goes on. He says, you therefore, you teach another. Do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. So, so Paul takes it one more step. He challenges them in this role that they feel like they have as being a teacher. Like, we have the law and we're going to instruct. We're going to, you want to learn something? You want, to, you want me to teach you something? I'll teach you something. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Paul says, look, you who teach, do you teach yourself? I mean, I think any pastor that's worth his salt (laughs) has to sit there with the word every week, twice a week, and just kind of be like, just, you know, laid bare, you know, before the Lord, you know, because that's what the, that's what the word is going to do anyways, right? I mean, I mean, if this word is truly being brought forth in the way that it should be with authority and with power and, 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 and in the way that God would want it to be brought forth, it, it should lay all of our hearts bare before him. We should be pricked in our heart, cut to the heart when we hear the word. Uh, and the pastor who teaches needs to be cut to the heart, needs to be 
have his heart laid bare. You Christian, just when you thought I was just being hard on me, you know, and then you were going to come out of this unscathed. No, for you Christian as well. You who are ministering to your family, who you're talking to them about the Lord Jesus, do you teach yourself? Do you allow, does, when, the, when the word comes forth or when you're looking into the things of the word, is it just like, oh yeah, that was good? No, yeah, it's in the word. Good Bible study, good devotion, good. No, is it, are, are, are you teaching yourself? Are you being taught? Are you being open to what the word is saying to you? If you want to teach... If you want to learn, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. <laughs> because in order to teach, you got to learn. <laughs> Amen? If you, want to, if you want to learn, one of the best ways to learn is to teach, because in order to teach, you've got to learn. Unless you're just kind of some kind of a robot, just kind of repeating, regurgitating, you know, something. You know, just kind of just spitting things out and, yeah, this and this and that and that and cutting and pasting, you know, from all kinds of different places and like, yeah, I got a Bible study. No, but I mean, if you're really digging in, if you're really learning, if you're really wanting to teach, you've got to kind of a master it. And I, I know that this, whenever I come across like some new concept, you know, that I've never heard of. And I'm learning, and I'm like, oh my goodness. There's kind of like that first initial, like, okay, whoa, that was neat. That was heavy. That was cool. That died. Wow. And then there's like, okay, now I'm going to tell somebody else about this. Okay. And then you start trying to tell it, and you're like, oh, I don't think I can. Why? Because then you got to go back. <laughs> you got to go back and really learn it. You got to go back and go really back over it. <clears throat> So that you can begin to really then speak that. Especially if you're going to be a person, again, that's not just regurgitating things, not just reciting things, but, you know, really bringing something from the heart. And that's how we need to be. And so you who teach, do you teach yourself? Do you teach yourself? Um... And we should be teaching. Christian, you should be teaching. You should be proclaiming. You should be, you know, as the song says, allowing the Lord to take you to places, uh, you know. And when you're learning something, you've got to be instructed by that. You've got to have that changed heart that that God can then truly work that principle into your life and into your understanding and into your practice and into your heart and mind. And so are those types of things happening? You know, because then, you know, you come across people that are, you know, always out there teaching somewhere. They're teaching, you know, they're, they're, they're the thanksgiving you know, they're, they're teaching the family. They're out in the street, in the community. They're, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
teaching. But are, are you being instructed? Are you truly learning? Are you truly grasping hold? Does the word, you know, grip you? Does it prick your heart? Does, does, does you know, when you come to the word, are you allowing God to kind of do that surgery with you? Um, and bringing that, bringing your heart exactly to where he wants it. These are good questions. Do, do you, you who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? The only way that that happens is a transformed heart. You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? The only way that that happens is a, a transformed heart. Why? Because we have a heart that is just naturally drawn to doing all these things that we shouldn't do. We have a heart to steal. We have a heart to stray. We have a heart to go do what we want. I mean, we're compared to sheep in the Bible. You know, this is the analogy. We're compared to sheep. We have a heart. Do you, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? So God is wanting us to truly have a transformed heart, a changed heart. And he closes this whole section off, this whole chapter, by getting into circumcision. Let's go back to the text, verse 25. He says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has, not, has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you even with your written code and circumcision or a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. You see what Paul is saying? You see where he's driving this home? Paul tells us that circumcision is profitable if you keep the law, if you keep the covenant. But if you do not keep the law, it's kind of just like something that, that happened. It's just something that you did. It's just, oh, well, well, yeah, I guess you were circumcised. I guess that happened. If an uncircumcised... So Paul asks some questions. He says, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, it has become circumcision to him. What's the difference? The person who doesn't follow after the things of the Lord, who's circumcised, and then you have someone who's uncircumcised that follows after the Lord. It's kind of like, you know, you have this thing in your flesh. See, circumcision was that sign in the flesh that they were the people of God, that they were in covenant with God, that they were those people that were the chosen of God to receive the law, to receive all the blessings from God. And so they had this sign in the flesh that, 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 that marked them. It's kind of, you know, it's an outward sign, right? Kind of like baptism is a sign. It's an outward sign. It's a sign of, of that you have actually had 
uh, regeneration that's actually happened in your life, that you, that, you have, that you have died with Christ, that you've been buried, and then you've been resurrected, that you've been brought to life in the Lord. And so circumcision is, is an outward sign that you are part of the people of God, that you have the law, that you're in the covenant. But if all you have is the outward sign and you don't really have the transformation of heart, you don't have the real transformation of your life, then you have just an outward sign. And how many people have been baptized that have stood in that pool or stood in that lake or ocean or wherever it is, and, and they haven't given their life to Christ? They're like, oh, I, you know, I should be baptized. I don't know why. You know, mom and dad want me to or whatever it is, whatever the reason is. Again, circumcision is that outward sign. It's a picture of the cutting away of the flesh. And God gave it to them. Abraham was 99 years old, and there were other men in the same household when they were circumcised. There are other instances of circumcision throughout the Bible, but it's all about a cutting away of the flesh, a surrender to God, a surrender to his will, a surrender to his ways, a surrender to serving him, a surrender to his plan and not yours, right? So that we can live for God with a new heart, a changed heart. And then Paul closes off this section with, I think, some really kind of profound statements. He says, he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And I guess you could say it this way, he is a Christian who is one inwardly, who's had a changed heart. He is, he is my disciple who is, is one inwardly, that has that heart. There's got to be an inward change. So all the outward things, all the outward signs, sometimes they just become things on the outside that really aren't reflective of what's going on on the inside. And unfortunately, not to pick on the Jews, but, you know, the Jews kind of are very much this. I mean, we could pick on, we could pick on the Christians too, okay? We're no respecter of people, persons. God is no respecter of persons. But the Jews historically have been, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're the Jews. We're the chosen people. We have the law. We do this. We do that. But the heart is what God's after. Amen. And same for the Christian. You know, I, got, I was talking to a friend. We were talking about Christian, Christian bumper stickers. And um, we were talking about, like, kind of not, like, that we're not like the Christian bumper sticker types, you know? Um, just because, you know, I mean, do what you want, you know? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> do what you want, but, you know, be careful. Because you see a lot of people that have these Christian bumper stickers, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, they can't be. 
I mean, don't judge. Don't judge lest you be judged. But uh, 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 pray for them. Pray for them. Oh, you know what? It was a used car. They just purchased it. It had the ichthus fish on it already, (laughs) right? (laughs) Just be careful that like the outward sign isn't like something, well, I got the fish on my car. (laughs) Yep, just got that fish. No one knows what it means anymore. Especially the Darwinists. The Darwinists have no idea about the fish. Have you seen the, the Darwin eating the fish and then the bigger fish eating the Darwin and the fish? And, you know, I don't know. It's like the battle of the Christian bumpers. It's the battle of the bumper stickers at this point. You know? There was like, you know, the, the, you know my, my, uh, my child is an A student, honor roll student. And then there was the, you know, my dog ate your, you know, honor roll student or something. I don't know. No, 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 it was like my, no, the stick figure family, right? And then like my dog ate your stick figure family. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different bumper stickers. You know what I'm talking about, right? Have you seen this stuff? You don't, you don't sit there and look at this stuff? Come on, help me out here. You know, you're sitting at, we should be praying at red lights now, right? That's what we, that's what we talked about on Saturday nights. Oh, so we'll get away from like reading all the the bumper stickers where you read some of them and you go, oh boy. <laughs> right? It's always interesting because in, in bumper stickers, there's the, per, the person that wants to let you know like their whole philosophy on everything. But it's the inward change, not the outward. It's not that you got the bumper sticker, the right one, the, the, the ichthus. You know, back in the day when the ichthus fish became real popular, it was kind of like, well, which one are you going to get? And there was this one particular church that like, you know, everyone seemed to get the one. It was the ichthus, but it had like the cross in it. Remember that one? That was the one. That was the one to get. You know? It's the inward change. He who is a Jew is one inwardly. He who is a Christian is one inwardly. He who is one of my people is one inwardly. Amen? If you have a transformed heart. If you have a transformed heart. And then, so how does Paul end that? He says, verse 29, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So, nothing wrong with having a Christian bumper sticker or whatever. Absolutely not. Fine. But I guess you could use that as an example of the way people look for what Paul closed that off with, the praise of men. And not looking for the approval of God. That you've come to the Lord, that you've given your life, that you've surrendered your heart, that you want to serve Him. And this is the whole thing. So biblical worldview, very important. But before, before that, God can, God can give a biblical worldview to a person who has a changed and transformed heart. That it really has become his and is marked out as one of his.